Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Pray for Boldness, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, our website has moved. Note, we typically use a hyphen when we print unchurched. However, in our internet address, this word is not with a hyphen. Our link is typed as a single long word. The new link is https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g. Our now old site has the required information to help you move to our new site. There is a link you can copy and paste into your web browser. When you reach our new homepage, simply modify your bookmark or make a new one, whichever works best for you. Our new site is greatly simplified for better maintenance and other issues. Our old site with the new redirect will be fully closed on March 11, 2023. Enjoy, and may God bless you all. Our last episode was Pray for Boldness, Part 1, posted on February 19th. At the very least, in all matters of questioning issues, we should seek God's direction. How many of you do that today? How many of you believe you cannot even hear God if He spoke to you? Therein, for many, the impetus for not even trying to hear God speak to you. When you ask a question to someone, do you not expect an answer? So, if you speak to God, if you ask Him a question, why should you not expect Him to answer you? God's answer to us can come in a profound thought or in an unusual action we all recognize as profound. While profound, it is not an earth-shattering event. It is something that rings in your spirit as from God and thus profound because of how unique it is and yet... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled Pray for Boldness, Part 1. This week, our study is Pray for Boldness, Part 2. We continue to do subject-based study of the Book of Acts. In this episode, we look for answers. Did they exhibit boldness, or was it courage? Are the two the same, or are they different in some way, which makes swapping them a grammatical error? Most naysayers today would say such an error proves the incorrectness of the Bible. For continuity, Notice these verses from last week. When they heard this, they raised their voices to God 
with one mind and said, Master of all, you who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them, who said by the Holy Spirit, through your servant David, our forefather, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot foolish things? The kings of the earth stood together, and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and against his Christ. From the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 24 through 26. This week, our study passage reads, For indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together in this city against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do as much as your power and your plan had decided beforehand would happen. And now, Lord, pay attention to their threats, and grant to your servants to speak your message with great courage, while you extend your hand to heal, and to bring about miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God courageously. From the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 27 through 31. To make sure we see the right people here, this information identifies these people. This Herod was Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, and who beheaded John the Baptist. And Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea at the time of Christ's death. The Gentiles were those of Pilate's council, and the Roman soldiers and the people of Israel were the Jews, both the rulers and the common people. The Syriac version reads it, the synagogue of Israel. And these, though they were of different nations and of different interests, yes, enemies to one another, as the Jews and Gentiles in general were, and as were Herod and Pontius Pilate in particular, yet all gathered, consented, and agreed together to mock, scourge, and crucify this innocent and holy person. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible Now that we have a clear understanding of those involved, let us see further just what is happening. To make things a bit more simple, we will state the outline presented in the following commentary passage. There are seven items and four sub-items as follows. 1. The Jewish rulers were mortified, humbled, and moved with envy that one so poor and disposed should claim to be the Messiah. They had expected a different monarch, and all their prejudices rose at once against his claims to this high office. 2. The common people, disposed extensively to acknowledge his claims, were urged on by the enraged and vindictive priests 
to demand his death. 3. Pilate was pressed on against his will by the impetus and enraged multitude to deliver one whom he regarded as innocent. 4. The Christian religion in its advances struck at once at the whole fabric of superstition in the Roman Empire and throughout the world. It did not, like other religions, ask a place amidst the religious already existing. It was exclusive in its claims. It denounced all other systems as idolatry or superstition and sought to overthrow them. Those religions were interwoven with all the habits of the people. They were connected with all the departments of the state. They gave occupation to a vast number of priests and other officers who obtained their livelihood by the existing superstitions and who brought, of course, all the supposed sacredness of their character to support them. A religion which attempted to overthrow the whole fabric, therefore, at once existed all their malice. The monarchs, whose thrones were based on the existing state of things, and the people, who venerated the religion of their ancestors, would be opposed to the new system. 5. Christianity was despised. It was regarded as one form of the superstition of the Jews, and there was no people who were regarded with so much contempt by all other nations as the Jews. The writings of the Romans on this point are full proof. 6. The new religion was opposed to all the crimes of the world. It began its career in a time of eminent wickedness. It plunged at once into the midst of this wickedness, sought the great cities where crimes and pollutions were condensed, and boldly reproved every form of prevailing impiety. At Athens, at Corinth, at Ephesus, at Rome itself, it denounced the judgment of God against every form of guilt. Whatever may be charged on the apostles, it will not be alleged that they were timid in denouncing the sins of the world. From all these causes, it is not wonderful that the early Christians were persecuted. 7. If it be asked why the same religion meets with opposition now in lands that are nominally Christian, it may be remarked. A that the human heart is the same as it always was, opposed to truth and righteousness. b. That religion encounters still a host of sins that are opposed to it, pride, envy, malice, passion, the love of the world, and shame of acknowledging God. c that there has always been a peculiar opposition to the human heart to receiving salvation as the gift of God through a crucified Redeemer, and d. that all the forms of vice and lust and profaneness that exist in the world are opposed 
and ever will be to a religion of purity and self-denial and love. From Barnes' New Testament Notes While there is much to examine, there are three items of specific note. First, whatever may be charged on the apostles, it will not be alleged that they were timid in denouncing the sins of the world. That is a really strong statement, especially the portion that reads, It will not be alleged that they were timid in denouncing the sins of the world. Are we timid in this way? Do we look the other way when others sin? Do we believe, even though we may be saved in Christ, that even though we sin and need forgiveness, that we cannot call it out in our brothers and sisters at the very least? A situation where if you sin in a certain way, you cannot accuse another of the same sin. This is contradictory to what is taught in Scripture. It is also why we cannot be accusatory when pointing out someone's sin to them. This is why we must be humble and help instead of damaging and destroying someone when pointing out their sin. This is another way we need to give aid. Not all aid is for physical help. In our previous study, Peter rendered physical aid to the crippled man to help him to his feet. Emotional and spiritual aid also must be rendered to brothers and sisters. But I digress. Sin is a point for all of us. Those of us saved in Christ can testify of our salvation in Him. We can testify of how all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future sins. All we need to do is ask for forgiveness. I have covered before the Scripture passage that tells us this is true. Secondly, what makes this difficult is the fact there has always been a peculiar opposition in the human heart to receiving salvation as the gift of God through a crucified Redeemer. Why is that so? It is easy to see in action by simply witnessing to an unsaved person. Clearly, this is not new as this passage reads. There has always been a peculiar opposition to the human heart to receiving salvation. If you do not believe it, try witnessing to an unsaved person. While not all, many will reject your witness to them. Some will outright tell you to leave them alone, period. Right here is where we either exit gracefully or we damage our witness to such people as well as damaging any further witness to them as well by someone else. Lastly, all the forms of vice and lust and profaneness that exist in the world are opposed and ever will be to a religion of purity 
and self-denial and love. Vice, lust, and profaneness seemingly have rewards that appeal to the individual person, male or female. Many defining points that seemingly boost the male image or female image in a person's mind and heart can be found in the sinner's nature. Purity, self-denial, and love seem to many as work frequently without reward. Instead, many feel like they have been hurt when others object to such behavior. Who reject purity, self-denial, and love because they prefer vice, lust, and profaneness. Vice, lust, and profaneness seem more rewarding in the present time. A person can appreciate what seems to be the greater number of rewards found in vice, lust, and profaneness. However, are such rewards a momentary thing that requires one to keep seeking such rewards? What is hard to understand is that purity, self-denial, and love have both immediate and long-lasting rewards. We humans are more attuned to immediate and short-lasting reward in life and in work. So, what we need to get used to is the long-lasting rewards found in our salvation with Christ. Once a reward is achieved, that reward is with us for at least the rest of our human life, if not forever. This is where we need valued teaching to get a better grip on this aspect of walking with and serving God. Our next passage portion reads, And now, Lord, pay attention to their threats and grant to your servants to speak your message with great courage while you extend your hand to heal and to bring about miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. From the free version of New English Translation with limited notes. Our study title is Pray for Boldness. Yet, the very same Bible version first states great courage. That would seem to some as a contradiction. Let us see if that is true. Boldness means fearless and daring, courageous, requiring or exhibiting courage or daring, strikingly different or unconventional, arresting or provocative. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Courage, bravery, intrepidity, spirit, fearlessness. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. We see twice in two different dictionaries the word courage being used to define boldness. Therefore, what does courage mean? Courage means the state or quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger, fear, or 
things that obstruct progress and requires great effort to overcome with self-possession, confidence, and resolution. Bravery from the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Bravery, intrepid, that quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits, valor, boldness, resolution. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. As we can see, boldness and courage can easily be exchanged as they effectively mean the same thing. Now, notice verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God courageously. Or, as we can now see, they began to speak the word of God boldly. We can also see that the word bravery is also used where we find boldness and courage. That renders the question when we face the world we live in, when we seek to spread our faith with others, do we do it with boldness, courage, and bravery? If your answer to that question is no, then, like those in this passage, pray for boldness or pray for courage. Next week, our new study is titled Peter Raises Dorcas, Part 1. This is an interesting passage. It speaks of a healing through Peter of a woman who had died named Dorcas. She was commonly recognized as Tabitha, which in translation means Dorcas. Join us next week to learn more. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation free version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. 
In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at our new address, https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched.org. Please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to Him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.